you found the Winding Roads Podcast. My name is Isaac Redinger. Each week, my guests and I talk about cars. Our own cars, our past cars, cars we're excited about, how we were bitten by the car enthusiast bug, and more. Hop in, buckle up, and join me for another great drive. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back. I've got Sean back tonight from Detached Garage. Um, a lot of stuff going on with you. How are you been, Sean? Good, good. How are you, Isaac? Looking forward to winter. I'm, I'm ready for snow. We were just discussing that uh, before yes. we started recording that you've got some snow coming and mostly cold weather your way, but um, yeah, I'm ready for snow. I got my winter tires on and I'm just ready, ready for it to get here. Yes, winter tires are, are on my car as well, and uh, we've had a few few snowstorms in Wisconsin, but I mean, this will be blizzard conditions with crazy winds and everything. So, um, not too much snow, but all the, all the guys in the neighborhood are, you know, uh, and went over and helped, help somebody get the, uh, get their snowmobile running the other day and stuff. So they're all geared up and amped up, ready to go. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't get enough snow for that. Um, I know when I was a kid, there were a few that I could hear off in the distance that would, whenever there was snow, usually, you know, it snowed before dark or something. And so like, yeah. randomly throughout the night, you'd hear snow, snowmobiles going by and stuff. But yeah. really, they, for the last 20, 25 years, we haven't really gotten any snow for it to be worthwhile for anyone to keep them around here. Right. Got to go up, up north a little bit and mm -hmm. northeast to where you're at to get some some decent trails and stuff. Yeah. We've, we're, we've kind of been hit and miss that probably once every three years, it'll be a really good, good season for snowmobiling and um, people will be able to get out on the trails that are groomed around here and stuff. But most people, um, and I mean, people from all around the country, uh, the UP, the upper peninsula of Michigan is just about um, five hour drive from Milwaukee area. So, I mean, people go up there and that's just mm. snow heaven for snowmobilers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So the, the people that have them near you, are they um, Polaris guys, Articat guys, or Skidoo guys? Um, so there's a mix. There's a mix. So um, a lot of uh, – there's one guy in the neighborhood that's an Articat guy, and uh, his, his kitty, his Arctic kitty gets made fun of a, a lot <laughs> by the other guys in the neighborhood. But, uh, I don't, I don't have a snowmobile. I, some of the guys have two or three sleds depending on, you know, what they're going to go do with trail ride or some of them go out West to go mountain riding and stuff. So if, if I ever, if I ever want to tag along on the trails around here, they just lend me one of their sleds and I'll mm -hmm. take whatever I can get. Brand doesn't matter to me, but there's, there's definitely some, uh, some uh brand loyalty in the households down the street so yeah 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 nice yeah i've only had experience um slight experience when i worked at a polaris dealer okay about uh 14 years ago maybe give yeah. or take um i started working there because i had a motorcycle at the time and i had a friend that worked there as a salesman um so he he helped me get in the door and that was my first I guess automotively speaking, you could say I was pretty sheltered because that was the first time I had been around um, snowmobiles and yep. jet skis yep. and ATVs. Um, I had briefly held on for dear life to a 50cc dirt bike <laughs> when I was about nine years old. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. The uh, It had a, was it a twist throttle? 
and yeah, it was a twist throttle. And once you start going, like I had no idea I was supposed to like use my core muscles to keep me in place. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I never got, out of, I might've gotten out of first gear, but I was terrified and yeah. it was just a little 50 CC. Um, so beyond that, I had no experience with power sports until I started there. And I learned yeah. a lot. Like I learned what a skag was and I learned all kinds of stuff that went into like the water sports and, um, you know, I was around two strokes, which I absolutely despised, but, um, <laughs> yep. it was, it was fun. It was a learning experience and I was cool talking to people and getting to just experience something new, but I've never actually ridden a snowmobile, uh, to this day. So it's on yeah. my bucket list one day. It's, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, I, I kind of had a, so I, I never really rode motorcycles when I was a kid or dirt bikes or anything. I mean, I did a few times. I distinctly remember like you said, holding on for dear life on a 50 CC when I was little. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a hand clutch or anything, but my first hand clutch vehicle I rode was, I was in middle school and the neighbor down the street had a, uh, a jet chipped Yamaha Raptor, uh, okay. quad. And, um, man, I let the clutch out in first gear and I mean, I could, I could drive a stick shift car, but my, my hand wasn't used to the, you know, slipping it a little bit. Sure. And I just stood it up on its two rear tires <laughs> and was just hanging on for dear life. It was, uh, it was a wild ride for my first hand clutch vehicle that I, that I ever experienced. So, yeah. um, that was, uh, I, quickly set it set down the front end and popped it back up again and then set it down and kind of slowly eased into the throttle and turned it around and just immediately gave it back and was like yeah okay that was fun <laughs> yeah 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 that reminds me um of when i was probably around that same age actually i was probably younger for the dirt bike but around uh, seven to nine, maybe yeah. we had a go-kart for a little while Okay, and we used to go take it. And then my cousin, one of my dad's brothers had, um, a go-kart as well. And so we would take, um, we would go with them to just drive it at this local, like high school or, um, yeah, tech school or whatever in the parking lot. The one, t the last time I remember going, the I was riding it or driving it and all of a sudden I couldn't stop and I'm okay. like what is going on with this thing yeah and so like I tried um I tried the brake that didn't work um there was like an embankment off to the one side <laughs> and it was like it was probably a 25 degree embankment like it was pretty steep it looked like a 45 but I'm sure it wasn't I yeah. went up there and it slowed down but then I had to come back down <laughs> so <laughs> So that didn't Turn work. And, so then yeah. I'm like, okay, how do I get this thing stopped? Because now I'm eight years old. I'm getting scared. I'm like, I'm going to run into something. So yeah. I I decided the best thing to do was to run into a parking curb because that's going to stop me. <laughs> so so I, I drive towards it and I hit it and I it just launches over launches. top of it. And it's, a, it's got this hard plastic steering wheel. It's like... I don't know what type of plastic it is, but just a really hard plastic steering wheel. It's like going into my chest. And so the impact like knocked the wind out of me. So now I'm sitting there and somehow my dad and my uncle were able to get the thing stopped. But I was just like, oh man, it was an experience. Long story and, and short, we had home. Why, 
kill switches are important <laughs> yeah <laughs> they might have hit that i don't know i was like unconscious <laughs> practically um apparently what happened is the throttle or the um there was a screw that stopped the throttle limiter yep. um fell out and so it was just wide open throttle <laughs> this whole time so it was it was quite yeah. the experience i'll have to ask my dad what he remembers about it next <laughs> when i see him this weekend that was my experience my two experiences formative experiences when i was a kid with with power sports yes yep kill switches are important they're yeah. uh they're they're a needed thing safety not only in in racing but uh power sports is uh is needed so, yeah especially when so, you're building your own or something so right right um i assume you still don't have uh a replacement because i think it was on the distant horizon replacement for I, I forget the name of the car that's Palatov. On that picture of Palatov. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's still nothing, a little bit away, right? Nothing yet. Um, okay. I do have news on the garage, though, uh, which oh, okay. is the, um, you know, the, the predecessor to having a space to be able sure. to put the LS7 in something. So um, we're, I've been working with the architect to try to do a redesign um, on the original design of the garage. And um, so finally got those plans back, um, to, you know, make it a little, little narrower, same depth, take the whole second story out and just do like a, an attic with like pull down stairs versus like a true second story with floor trusses and everything. And mm -hmm. so I was able to get that back. I sent it out to the, the lumber company and, um, got the quote back today and it was about half the price of what I had uh, gotten the quote for on the other mm -hmm. garage. So it's like, all right, we're, we're headed in the right direction here. Yeah. This is looking, looking likely and lumbers come down a little bit since, okay. since I quoted it last, but that the, the big significant changes mm -hmm. were simplifying the design, getting those floor trusses out of the way. And, and uh, also it's, it's going to be super simple the truss company I'm working with, we're going to be able to set, set the trusses and frame all the walls. And it's, we're going to have to rent a crane, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like my previous, um, garage design had the entire roof line being stick framed. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, very labor intensive for the carpentry crew, the rough, the rough framing crew that was going to be out there to do that. Where here, I mean, three hours of, of crane time and, and we're done. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that's definitely a labor savings going from basically handmade trusses to prefab. Exactly. Exactly. And they're just going to they're going to I mean, 2 to 3 hours they'll be able to set those. It's mm -hmm. uh since it's about 42 feet deep on the main garage, there'll be two gable end trusses and then uh 20 trusses in the middle and then the connector to the house, there's nine um traditional trusses there um and yeah they'll be able to set those in probably two to three hours so yeah. it's it's probably going to cost more to the initial fee to get the crane out there but sure um might i think we might look into like renting a, a telehandler jib lift or something versus paying for a crane we'll see which one of those is cheaper mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah now i'm just naive about this because i only have experience when my parents put the addition on their house um when the trusses get delivered, don't they have a crane on the truck that just puts them on? It depends. It depends. You could, um, sometimes you've got 
you do have that situation where you've got like a, a, a crane attached to the truck itself. Usually Mm -hmm. that's not, um, usually they don't do that when they're over a certain length. So like if it's not, if it's a smaller like box truck with just a flatbed, it can be, you know, dual axle in the rear. doesn't matter. But if it's smaller and it's not a true tractor trailer situation, Mm -hmm. that's when they usually have the crane attached to it where they can do that. Um, since my trusses are going to be 39 feet, uh, long, they're probably going to do one of those roll off trailers. So they'll, okay. there's like literally rollers on the flatbed of the trailer and they back in and they just, they kind of tip the bed a little bit and then it, it back up and stop and then pull forward really quick. And all the trusses just kind of roll off of the, okay. um, that onto the ground. So then you got to pick them up and set them. So, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, progress. Not like we can do much when the ground is frozen and we're about to get more snow, but uh, planning for spring, summer next year. So um, it'll be interesting, especially with the economy shifting a little bit and, and kind of feeling the effects of the pandemic and inflation and all that. It'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I think there's certainly a lot of pent up money still a lot of cash that's still out there, but people are kind of just holding back right now because they're unsure about what's going on. So that's part of the slowing. But I think from a market standpoint, obviously interest rates going up or or slowing things down. But um, I still feel like, especially now that lumber's come back down so much that some of the projects similar to myself that, didn't necessarily get started next year, last year that could have gotten started, Mm -hmm. um, might get started this year and kind of keep, keep the economy rolling a little more than we thought. So, yeah. And I think the supply chain is slowly improving. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the automotive side, I would say more typical things are kind of back to normal. Um, but I mean, still electronic related things are, can be a bit hard to come by, but it's, yeah. it seems more, instead of being wide sweeping, it's more specific items right. um, that are harder to get. So yeah. I think in general, things are improving just slower. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, metal for my full-time job, we buy a lot of Inconel or titanium or um, some other uh, high nickel or exotic alloys. That's still kind of hard to come by. I mean, lead times are just longer than they used to be. You used to, Mm -hmm. you know, buy those and it would be six to eight weeks to get your, your mill run of material. And now it's six months, you know, 22 to 30 weeks to get Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's, it's tough, but like you said, it is, it is improving. At least you can still get it. It's just, you got to be a little more planful and it's a little longer lead time. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I know there are some things in the works for you that you aren't able to discuss yet, but um, yeah. anything coming up for 2023 with Detached Garage that um, you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we talked about it last time. Um, the The website is live and we have our first plan on there. So that uh, that is able to be downloaded and, and purchased digitally. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I, I listed it for 20 or not 20, uh, 
$1,200, somewhere around there. And so a huge savings to anybody who's looking to build a larger garage with like, you know, an apartment, uh, second story and, and, or like home office, second story mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, um, that's on there now. We haven't had any orders on it yet, but, um, for 2023, we're planning on getting a few more plans, mm-hmm. um, get the plans finalized and get those up there as well. So, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the goal for, um, for 23 is to hopefully continue to get some more traffic across there and, um, and get that, uh, get the plans rolling a little mm-hmm. bit more, help people sure. out with their, with their garage builds. We've done certainly some consultations this year to, to help people design custom, but not mm-hmm. nothing that we could necessarily take that and then post as a, uh, as a plan up there. Sure. Recently I saw, uh, it was actually, it might've been an ad, for a garage door opener style that I had never seen before. I don't remember the brand, but it essentially was that it was half of the door folded on itself. Um, There was no like uh, motor above the bay, like you would normally see traditionally. And it was really compact and it was designed for, you know, more compact spaces or just opening up the ceiling area more. Um, is that something that's only offered by one company or is it something that I just haven't seen before until now that's yeah, there's, becoming there's more f- widely available? Yeah, there's a few companies that make them. Um, it's, it's really the, the companies that make the doors usually do the, the openers as well for I think that style you're talking about. The mm-hmm. interesting thing about the style you're talking about is it's like uh, it's center hinged and it hinges into the space. Yeah. So there's kind of there's two schools of thought it can be if it hinges in that obviously takes away space from the interior of the garage. Um, but it's also very clean and, um, or you can hinge outward. And so almost have like a overhang outside, um, okay. almost like a, like an airplane hanger door. That's yeah. kind of how airplane hanger doors are constructed where they, where they fold like that. So, um, there's a few different companies that make them. They're not wildly popular just because it takes a little longer for opening and closing. Okay. Um, as well as some of like the wind ratings, mm-hmm. um, airplane hanger doors are, have a, a very high wind rating, but, um, some of these, it's a little more difficult to reinforce since there's not as many, um, you know, touch points on your, like your traditional garage door where you'd have the wheels helping support the wind load, pushing that garage door in. So, um, it's, it's a cool design. Um, you know, definitely much more of a modern look than your traditional garage door. And like you said, cleans up the ceiling quite a bit. I think Mm -hmm. the, the biggest drawback to them is finding the space on either side making sure you can have that clearance to, to open it up and the, just the time it takes to open it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen kind of along those lines, have you seen any new products that were released at SEMA that you're excited about to, to kind of help people as they're creating their, their garage? There was nothing really that stood out too much at SEMA. Um, I think, uh, some of the things we've seen in the past, like, um, and especially that I'm looking into is like, uh, the magic stairs, um, which kind of replace like your pull down attic. 
um, stairs, your traditional old school pull down attic stairs. They actually have a, like a motorized um, metal staircase that comes down and is retractable and it's, it's on a motor. They also have a lift that goes up. That's been around for a while. So I wouldn't say that's mm-hmm. brand new this year. It's, sure. I would say it's in the past few years. Um, there's some different materials, uh, that people are looking at, especially for like, um, wetter areas. If you're doing like a wash bay or something like that, there's some different, um, wall sheathing materials versus your drywall mm-hmm. or, and also ceiling materials. It's, um, it's plastic injection molded or extruded pieces, um, that you can put up. So not necessarily the best for like air sealing to seal the air out or, uh, fire rating. So if you have a fire rating, you can't necessarily use those things, but if you're in, if you're in a very humid environment where you don't necessarily have any of those requirements, it it's great for like, um, just kind of not preventing mold buildup and stuff like that in a, in a very humid environment, like a wash bay situation. So now is, would you be able to put that over top of like fire rated drywall so you could have, yeah, Yep. You certainly could. Um, I think the challenge is still, how do you then dry the drywall back behind it? If it does, you know, soak through or something like that. So dehumidifiers, even just in a home, you know, to help with that, um, especially in, in a wash base situation, if you do have a really tightly built garage, having a dehumidifier or an ERV running, um, energy recovery recovery ventilator are going to be key to help kind of keep that moisture level down in in the garage. So, um, I think, uh, as far as some products that I saw, not necessarily for building a garage, but more like garage products inside the garage, Viper chair came out with uh, a creeper. Um, so like lay on your back and, and work under the car. It's, uh, pretty heavy duty frame, some really good casters on it. And it's, um, like a, uh, it's not solid. So it's, you lay into a fabric that goes, that kind of conforms to your body. So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly like a cot. So, um, I haven't got my hands on one of them yet, but, uh, it looked interesting for, um, you know, comfort and, and, obviously none of their stuff is cheap, but it's all really well made. They're actually, um, out of the green Bay, Wisconsin area. So Wisconsin company, but, uh, but yeah, I saw that, that was, that looked pretty cool. Looking forward to getting my hands on one of those. But, um, other than that, that on, and I've been for me as a racing enthusiast, SEMA seems fun. I've never been there. I'd love to go there and experience it in person. I've been to PRI though, the performance racing industry, um, show in December in Indianapolis. Okay. And that is just like so much more me, I guess is the best (laughs) way to describe it. Like people who are just like, okay, we're, we're going to go fast and we're going to go fast on a racetrack, drag racing, you know, the real, not like I want my street car to be quick and probably 99% of the people who modify their street car don't ever take them to the racetrack, but, um, right. some people do, but PRI is, is, uh, is very cool and very focused on, on that. So, uh, and I okay. didn't get a chance to attend PRI either this year, but, um, 
it's uh it's definitely on my list to go to go next year so i feel like i should be uh kind of embarrassed that i've never heard of that show it's it's interesting it's um not a lot of people have heard of it unless you're you know frequenting a track day or or have a um uh, you know, a uh, race car engineering magazine or something like that where PRI advertises in, but yeah, I mean, all, all the people are there. Um, uh, you know, just thinking of some names like K-Tech, um, engines that are out of the Detroit area for their, their LS engines. I mean, you've got Frankenstein wasn't there for, for their heads, but I mean, there's, there's just a ton of industry people that are at PRI that are more race car focused than street car focused. So sure. it's, it's a really good, it's a really good show and kind of the engineering nerd in me just, you know, geeks out a little bit more than, Ooh, look more shiny wheels or, or, you know, stuff. Uh, SEMA definitely has much more um, things beyond like for your garage or tools, but then PRI has that as well. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Not to go on a tangent, but you mentioned about a, being an engineering nerd. Um, it reminded me of a story that one of my coworkers told me when he used to work uh, at a Subaru dealer. Okay. He had a customer with like a, an Impreza or WRX or something yep. who was an engineer. And they were rebuilding his engine, but he supplied the head bolts and all the hardware. Like he <laughs> made he made them to his own specifications. Interesting. And he installed them himself. They just had a technician like oversee him. But yeah, all the he made all the hardware or had it made like at his work or something. That's um, awesome. But it was all to his specifications and he had like apparently it was like an event. Like he just went through all out on it. But um I was like, Really? You 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 know, you allowed that? And he's like, Yeah, he's like, you know, it was all on him. Um, yeah. Obviously, he was his own warranty, but uh, just an interesting that's dedication right there. You want yes, yeah, <laughs> designing your own, yeah, doing the FEA analysis on your own, you know, hardware for you know torque specs and stretch and heat yeah. cycles, and that's impressive. <laughs> so, yeah, no, um, I I was going to ask you um, thoughts on the end of the the Formula One season. Yeah, I'm, we were headed in the racing direction, and then I got sidetracked by the engineering yeah. story. Because that was going to be my question for you as well. It did not come as a shock to me that Max won the championship. Yeah, um, I could kind of see that from the beginning, especially when Mercedes started off on the back foot. Uh, Ferrari is very well-versed in kind of having egg on their face and dropping the ball a lot. So it didn't surprise me when they started kind of falling back a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean, Red Bull had it together. They had a pretty good package from the start of the season and just were able to refine it from there. Yeah. And of course, Max is on full attack all the time and yep. can just drive the wheels off of whatever you put him in. What are your thoughts on his snub of Checo in Brazil to uh, possibly get second place in the championship with, with not letting him pass? And uh, coming over the radio and telling the team, you know my reasons. I've <laughs> talked to you about this before. I hadn't heard about that until it actually happened. Um, yeah. But w when they were talking about if you know, is he going to let him buy or do whatever? Yeah. Like, I didn't expect it to happen. You know, they're 
some more than others, but they're all like alpha personalities and yeah. especially Max, he is like the epitome of, you know, I'm out for myself and right. You know, I don't care about anyone else, yeah. which that's how you get to be the way, you know, that's how you get to have a good career and be successful. Like, um, Schumacher was the same way. Like some of the stories I've heard of him, you know, and the way he used to drive, cause I, he was before I started watching F1, but now listening back to a podcast that focuses on the older stuff, um, hearing some of the stories have really been insightful to, yeah. you know, have some light into that era and, and just his driving style. But Max is kind of the same way. Like he's elbows out. He's not afraid to bump and grind a little bit. Yeah. And he's just looking out for maximizing what he can in every race. And I think the only way he would have given up to Sergio is if he had a bad race, if Max had a bad race or something just didn't go right. And he, he was only in second or third and had no chance of winning because of the strategy or whatever. And yeah. like, that's the only way I could see him really being helpful, but yeah, it didn't surprise me that he he wasn't yeah. willing I, to play. I agree. It it didn't really surprise me. It just I I still just think it was kind of a jerk move, you know, with with everything Checo's done for him. And I'm not even a Red Bull fan, so yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I did I did find something that I on F1 that I thought you might find interesting. So apparently, there's a few fans that think. Um, history is repeating itself a little bit. Have you heard this conspiracy theory about history repeating no. itself? You get in your F1? information from different places. I actually, I don't have many F one information sources. So, um... so this was a, a news article. Um, a few a few outlets are on it. This is from Fox Sports Australia, okay. um, but they are saying. Um, is history repeating itself? It said in the past, we've seen a seven time world champion eclipsed by a 24 year old driver who wins two titles in a row. So that's max mm -hmm. over Lewis. Um, after that, we have a driver in a Ferrari with six years of experience, win a title. So that would say Charles Leclerc would win the title in 2023. Okay. And then a British youngster, and a Mercedes wins a title, which would have been Lewis Hamilton back in the day. Uh -huh. But now you're thinking George Russell, potentially. Sure. And then another British youngster in a competitive car wins the title. Uh, so Lando Norris, maybe, in a McLaren after that. Um, so that's when I'm, and it just kind of goes on and says, you know, talking about Michael Schumacher won his seventh and then uh, Fernando Alonso comes back and, and wins the, wins the title when he was 24. And then Kimi Raikkonen was the Ferrari driver before Lewis Hamilton, mm -hmm. which is the British driver won in the McLaren. And then Jensen Button won in the Mercedes. So okay. just interesting how, it very much, you know, could could repeat itself. So. I was I was trying to figure out where the connection was to to Lando Norris, but yep. I forgot about Jensen. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, um, well, if that it, if that holds true, then the next well, twenty three, twenty four, and twenty five, then or ish, the, correct. In the next three four years, there's going to be a lot of shakeup. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly could be. Um, and talking about shakeup, all the team principals moving around afterwards. Yeah. And like I just heard today, um, Jensen and Susie Wolf, Toto's wife, mm-hmm. might be top candidates for the Williams okay. um, uh, team principal position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I the one podcast I listened to mentioned, you know, would Jensen be an option for Williams? Uh, and they kind of alluded to is, is that really something he's interested in, though, is right. being in that role? Um, or maybe he would just be as like, almost like a show pony where like he shows up to all the events. He's a, he's a great PR guy. Cause that he yep. is a, you know, that's one of his strengths and he's maybe in part of the leadership team, but still as an advisory and not necessarily running it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. An advisory role like, uh, Alan Prost was with, yep. um, and then obviously Nikki Lauda. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And then that, so. cause I think Susie Wolf is currently or was running a Formula E team. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So then she, that would make, I think more sense for her to move into that role with Williams. Um, because I, and I think Toto still has a share in Williams. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. So that but, I mean that makes a that makes a lot of sense there. Um, yeah. From that, but as far as team principles, I was surprised to see that this stat still just blows me away. The fourth most tenured team principal. Do you know who it is? Isn't it like Gunther Steiner or something? Yeah. Like that? And like yeah. the the fifth is Otmar. Um, who like just moved, you know? Well, it, I, I don't know. Cause I was looking at the, I was looking at this uh, article that pointed it out and by, I guess it depends on how you measure it, but uh, Vassour started with Alfa Romeo Sauber in 2018. Yeah. So yeah. I think he would be the next longest, but yeah, like basically two thirds, well, half of the grid is going to be all new. Right. But like we we all think of Haas as the newest team because right. they are, and like Gunther Steiner kind of came out of nowhere. At least for me, like I had never heard of the guy, yep. and I feel like Haas has only been around for three or four years. But they actually, I think their first season was twenty seventeen, maybe twenty sixteen. But he's been in team principal since twenty fourteen. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, the next longest one is is Toto Wolf in 2013. Right. So they've basically b- both been team principals for the same amount of time, which is, yeah. I still just, it baffles me. I. Yep. Yeah. And then I think I, I sent you the article today on, uh, on Instagram with, um, you know, the Andretti thing finally maybe happening, which would be awesome to get a few more teams in, in the mix. So I was shocked to see that. And to be honest, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Cause I know the, I, I agree. the current teams, there's a lot of pushback about getting another, another team or two in there. I and, think the only supporter that I know of that he has is, um, is from McLaren and Zach Brown because yep. they work together a lot in IndyCar. Yep. Um, but I think that's about last I heard that was pretty much the only thing he's got going for him. And it, it's so interesting because as, as he said, like 
the whole reason the teams wouldn't want another another team or two teams in there is because you know of all the effort they've already put in and then diluting the 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 money pool but he's Mm -hmm. the fia have a clause in there for new teams that they have to Mm -hmm. pay the other teams money to for them to enter and andretti's like yeah 400 million I'll do it. I'll pay it. And so whether it's his backing or with the backing of, of some sponsors or something. So he's just been kind of sitting around all year. Like, Hey, like I, this is a requirement. I meet all the requirements. Why aren't you letting me in? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, that's the interesting thing. Some, I'd sure love to be a fly on the wall and in those closed door meetings where, well, he's met all the requirements. We got to let him in. No, you can't let him in. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, I mean, the Concord agreement was written so that, you know, it, it there is an allowance for new teams to enter. They just have right. to, you know, basically, I think they're paying each team $20 million. Yeah. And that would theoretically offset the, the revenue that they would have earned as a 10 right. team group, as opposed to say an 11 team group. Yeah. But I think that's only for, that would only really benefit them that initial year after that it's not like they keep paying them the 400 million dollars first of all that's astonishing thinking that if you want to start a team you have to put in (laughs) almost a half a billion dollars and that doesn't even cover anything like oh i don't know a car or a facility where you can design the car or or people or what drivers yeah yeah so obviously that's a, a small deterrent to people entering or teams that right. want to enter the sport um which so which makes more sense why people buy a Haas yeah. team or yeah. force india you know or <laughs> now sauber is going to be back in the mix yeah. <laughs> with audi I, and that's yeah. going to get pretty spicy um yeah some things i'm hearing about that with potentially uh, who's a driver that's going theoretically linked to them i think it was so there was a theory that with Seidel going to to Sauber, yep. in a few years he's gonna knock on Landon Norris's door and say, "Hey, you um, want to come drive with me again?" You know, yeah. and like join that team, and that'll hopefully be his doorway to you know uh, a works F one team with yeah. a with a competitive car. And then there was a German driver. I think they were oh, maybe maybe us. Uh, by that time, uh, Schumacher might go there or something else, you know, because Audi's going to want a German driver in at least one of the seats. Right. I, I was even thinking, like, is this Sebastian's Vettel time to come out of retirement to drive with them in two years, you know, as a German driver? So, yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit a little bit far off because he's he's what, 36 or 37. Yeah. And they're not truly Audi until I think 25. They're like still maybe it's 26 with the engine changes, but like 24 and 25, I think they're slowly working towards that. Cause I think the Ferrari engine deal is only good through the end of 24. I think so. Yep. Yeah. So then they're going to have to be looking at an engine. And I think at that point that's when Audi wants to be the engine supplier, but it would still be Sauber. And then I don't know. It's, I'm curious to see how it's going to go the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. It will uh, certainly be interesting. And uh, even though 
um, Drive to Survive is not necessarily for guys like us. I still watch it, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to excited for Netflix to get that done and and watch. They're going to have a field day with this year. Oh yeah, especially like <laughs> um, I I posted the meme the other day. It was like um, with all the team principals going around, it's like some guy throwing the papers up in the air and it's like the Netflix <laughs> producer having to rewrite his script after the season's over. Or so. <laughs> the contrary, it's not really a conspiracy theory I heard, but someone alluded to what if Netflix said, Hey, so, um, what if you guys just fire half of your team principals? Because we really like the driver silly season this year. What if we could do that for the, for the, team principles i i think the one the one that didn't make sense to me but then made more sense was andreas seidel um knowing that he's going from principal to the ceo position right Mm -hmm. i mean that's i was like why would you just leave one team to go to another that you know is pretty level playing field as you Mm -hmm you know, from a points perspective over the past few years, McLaren's, I think a little better off, um, but to go to another team principal, but it makes sense now that he's, you know, going to the CEO of Sauber position. Yeah. So. Like I think his, in his mind, he's probably got a long-term goal of being in a position like Toto where I yep. think Toto owns like 40% of the Mercedes F1 team. Yep. And so, while Toto's also on the pit wall and he's a team principal as well, uh, Seidel may just be interested in, you know, overseeing the whole project and then having the team, hiring someone to be the team principal. Exactly. And, um, you know, he's either German or, or Austrian, just like Toto. And so yep. to have Audi be the team he's going towards, uh, I think it makes sense. The one that I didn't think made sense was Vassour. I don't get the sense that he's necessarily a right fit to be in that, in that type of a leadership position in general. I think he seems very like soft, soft spoken. And I don't know. I feel like the best thing about that move is that he and uh, Charles have some history. And so if anything, he'll get more of a dominant role and, you know, as opposed to being like a 50, 50 thing, but I wasn't necessarily thrilled with that move. I think it's an interesting move, especially, you know, I don't envy him stepping into that position, right? I mean, there's clearly more than, you know, letting Mattia go that Mm -hmm. is going to be, have to happen to fix the organization, right? And the, and the poor strategy calls and the, I was going to say day one, he's got to walk into the strategy room and say, okay, we need to sit down and have a talk. (laughs) Yeah. Either that or. Hey, you guys out, pack your bags. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it's to me, he's either going to, you know, succeed and, and do really well, or he's the two, three year fall guy for, mm-hmm. you know, just bridge the gap to the next regulation change. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is, I'm hoping it's not that, but I think I agree with you from a personality wise, it might be, might be that, but mm-hmm. we will, uh, we will see. So, yeah. Yep. Um, speaking about Netflix and car related television, uh, did you see the new for, uh, Lamborghini movie? No. Um, don't. I was <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, I uh, hadn't heard of it. 
it is apparently terrible. I'm out of the loop for news recently. I uh, I watched it. Where did I watch it? I watched it on. I, I've been over the past few weeks been doing a lot of international travel with my uh, hmm. with a full time job. But um, I watched it on the plane ride on the way back, and it was just awful. I felt so bad. They did not do the story justice from the car guys perspective i think there were there were glimmers of hope in there but um i would say don't definitely don't go pay money for it um if you feel like watching it in the future uh maybe <laughs> watch it but uh yeah uh would not recommend uh, okay pay, paying money for it so okay yeah speaking of movies uh since the last time you were on we watched so i had been holding off on watching ford versus ferrari Okay. Until I could watch it on Ultra HD. Okay. So I finally, um, I was not about to pay scalper money for a PlayStation Five, but yep. like my old PS3 was a dual purpose DVD player and gaming yep. thing, so I was doing that with the PS5. And so back in May, I guess you were on after that, but yeah. Either way, here or there, um, we picked up. Dry, um, Ford versus, Ford versus Ferrari, Ferrari. Yeah. and we watched that with my surround system and and with the Ultra HD and everything. Yeah, and my wife was watching it, and she's getting into it. She's yep. I, I knew I knew what happens at the end. Like yeah. I didn't know how they were going to get there and tell a story, but I knew the what the end result was going right. to be. And they crossed the line, and she looks at me and she said, "No, that's that's not how it happens, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." And then I'm like, I'm like, but wait, there's, there's more. And, th- <laughs> and then, and then spoiler alert, if anyone doesn't know the story, like the next spring or whatever, he's testing and he's killed in an accident. Yeah. She's like, are you telling me he gave up for the good of the team? He doesn't get the win credit and he doesn't get to repeat it. Like she's not into racing, but she's, she's a sucker for a story. Yeah. And she was not happy with that movie. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> history. That's the way it happened. That's, that's the way it happened. <laughs> it was definitely uh, worth the wait though. Um, we, we did enjoy the movie and it was, it sounded amazing on, yeah. I just have a simple 5.1, which I guess, you know, a lot of people don't have a surround system, but it's, it was good. It, it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I've, I've watched it a few times now, probably four, four times is it's a good yeah. movie. You know, when, when you can't pick something and you just want something that, you know, is going to be good. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Certainly a, uh, a good, good movie. What else? Anything, anything going on with, uh, how about your, your own garage besides the construction, um, the vehicles in your garage, any news with those? You mentioned you have snow tires on your car I do. or winter tires. I do. Which ones do you have? So, um, on my wife's car, we put the, uh, Nokia and Hakapalita, um, R3s Okay. Um, she has a Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've got my Audi Q7 diesel. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I had Hakapalitas on that, but then, um, a buddy of mine, uh, I think they're called Verdestein through tire rack. Um, so I put those on the only thing and I, 
when I put those on this winter, I was so frustrated because, you know, you dig them out of the corner of the garage and jack the car up and, 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 um, my kids were helping and my, I had my daughter who's five and I had her on, uh, inflation duty. So I had the, she would take the little valve stem cap off and I've got a little, uh, uh, 12 the milwaukee 12 volt inflator and with that you can set the tire pressure to and so Mm -hmm. i was like okay i'm looking all over the tire flipping it back and forth and i was like they they don't list the psi on the tire it's like it's not there it's Hmm. I, i looked all over the place and they didn't list it and so i finally went online and and looked after you know 10 minutes of like, is it just this one that doesn't have it and go to the others and look all over and couldn't find it. But then she had fun going around inflating, inflating the tires as I'm pulling the other ones off and and putting them on. So, yeah. So do you inflate your tires to the max pressure that's on the sidewall? Uh, no, no, usually not. Just, I just look at the range, um, that, that it's supposed to be within. And so, um, yeah, usually don't go to the full max, but, yeah, I, I was going to say, I was, I was hoping you were not doing that. <laughs> no, no. Or okay. like the, like the, what was that? The Dodge dealership where the guy was like, I couldn't get it to a hundred. Yeah. Just <laughs> 100%. yeah. You sent me that. I'm like, that's a new one. I've actually never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't go to the max, max okay. pressure. So cool. yeah, but yeah, I wish I- they actually had pressure listed so i know what the maximum would be without having to go search on the internet right so yeah you've got some some good choices there i've heard nothing but good things about the hot completas um i actually considered those for the cayman when i was tire shopping last year yeah and i came to the conclusion that we don't get as much snow as would be best for them okay because we tend to get more cold weather, cold, dry roads and some mix precipitation. So like, like the other day, like last week we got some sleep um, and some freezing rain and things like that. We don't generally get snow or the, or the super deep cold temperatures. Like you get the Hakaplita is because they're Scandinavian or just like the Bernsteins. Um, They, the Hakaplitas are designed for super cold temperatures, like sustained temperatures in the teens or lower. And right. we, we also, where I'm at, don't get that low for that long. Right. So I went with the tried and true Blizzaks that I've had previously okay. because yep. they're really designed for the majority of the North American market and like specifically the Northeast or at least the mid-Atlantic area. Yeah. And so that was, I'm like, it's, it would make more sense. While I'd like to try the Hakapalitas, the Bridgestones for my scenario made more sense. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did, but. And the, so the Fredsteins, they're pretty new to the to the U.S., but yep. um, they make some good time. They've been around for a long time. So you're you're taking the Cayman out into the salty elements in the winter, huh? Oh yeah, that gets driven every day. Nice, nice. Yep. I do twelve thousand miles a year on that car. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I I've always said my my dream daily driver sports car would be a 911 turbo and just throw some snow tires on that and just mm-hmm. drive it all year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've, I've talked about it before. There are two schools of thought in the Porsche world when it comes to anything except sunny weather. And, you know, yeah. one school is 
this is this is my toy it's my fun car i see no need to take it out also i don't want to ruin it it's you know worth whatever it's going to degrade the value the other school of thought is it's a car drive it yep my thought process is and i've said this before is i i can safely bet that it was engineered just as well as or better than the golf that i had from 2002 that survived 280,000 miles in the same weather i'm driving this in right you're not going to damn i mean yeah there's going to be some corrosion and stuff but my the underside of that car when it got totaled looked better than a 50,000 mile chevy cobalt of the same vintage you know you would see those after a year or two and they looked like they were in michigan for 20 years underneath yeah but they weren't and so i have no i have no qualms about it and that's that's one of the big reasons why i've always wanted a wash bay in my garage is so i can you know just pull it in turn the pressure washer on go just spray the salt off of it you Mm -hmm. know just do a quick not even scrub like just foam it down with the foam cannon get underneath it get the undercarriage and then just do a quick rinse with the deionized water literally 10 minutes and you're done like do that every other day or whatever in the winter and and kind of keep try to keep that corrosion down as much as possible because but i mean we know it's going to happen but you know you try to try to do something about it right don't just let it sit with salt caked on it for months so yeah um i kind of do yeah (laughs) i i I do too right now because i don't have a wash bay and like yeah yeah yeah. i was a bit lazy this year um i think i washed it four times all year okay maybe five um but during the winter i might wash it twice three times yeah um the one time what i did last year is i ended up getting a waterless wash system and tried that and boy do you go through microfiber towels but (laughs) it you know it it got it got the car clean obviously it's not a full wash but it it did the job so i'm going to try to be a little bit better about that this year to actually you know clean it up more frequently than i did I keep getting these, these ads, whether it's, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And it's the, this salt buster thing that you attach to your hose or whatever. I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, if that will, if it'll get rid of salt, but then if it'll leave your, you know, wax or ceramic coating that you've got on it versus stripping it like a, like a Dawn dish soap would, would just strip it or like a, a, you know, pre-cleaning polish, pre-polishing cleansing Mm -hmm. soap that you would use typically. So interested, I might have to get some and try it out on the wife's car that really doesn't care about anything. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. 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 Cool. Well, it's been, it's been fun. Um, we could yeah. probably keep going on for a while, so we'll, we'll just have you back on another conversation sometime, but, um, and especially once you can, once you can break the news for your plans for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Got the contracts in motion stuff going right now. So as soon as, as soon as those are signed and, and legally we're taken care of, then I'll, I'll be happy to, to share the news and hopefully, you know, uh, we can get Emerson on too. Hopefully mm-hmm. he's recovering from COVID and, 
get some get some good banter going so yeah yeah, yeah i definitely wanted to um give him a hard time about his his recent fame <laughs> yes <laughs> so yes, i'll just indeed. i'll just leave it there if you're curious you can you can follow emerson uh at emo's garage on instagram but um that's for another conversation i i definitely have some stuff lined up for him <laughs> good um but in the meantime uh sean we can follow you at uh detached garage on instagram your yep. website is detachedgarage.com. Yes. Uh, any other places we should be following you? I haven't posted a YouTube video in a while, but um, there's some good old content on there. So it's youtube.com slash detached garage. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been great. Um, maybe, maybe we'll have you back on before the F1 season so we can yeah. kind of talk yep. about what our thoughts are for the new season. We can do it. We maybe we can do a drive to survive recap or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, cause that comes out. I think the week of the news, the first race. Yes. They usually yep. time it that way. So we can do a chat then. Perfect. Cool. Well, th- Isaac, thanks again for having me on. Yep. Always fun. Good chatting with you and well. uh, stay safe with the, uh, with the blizzard coming through. So you as well, um, stay warm and don't go out in the wind. <laughs> yeah, we'll try not to. <laughs> All right. All right.